Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, this is Susan Shireko. Welcome. Robert Margetic is joining us today to discuss how to survive the coming retirement storm, a five-step process for success in volatile times. Now, Robert's career has centered on financial planning. He's an investment advisor with Redwood Financial and started WealthNet, a trust administration company. I'm sure you want to learn more about what he has to say on this topic, so please wave your hands to welcome Robert Margetic. Hello, Robert. Welcome. Well, hello, Susan. Nice to be here. I'm so glad. Well, Robert, please give us a quick overview of your career in the financial field so that people get a sense of what you know. Okay. Um, I've been in the financial services industry for over 30 years now. I started my own company, which was uh, specializing in uh, giving advice to individuals. Uh, and we also created various specializations in charitable giving and some advanced uh, portfolio management. And uh, over time, I became a consultant and advisor to a variety of attorneys and accountants and other financial advisors on how to deal with more complex aspects of uh, estate planning, charitable giving, and investment portfolio management. Um, it sounds to me like you've been around long enough to see, to witness firsthand some of the worst contemporary market crashes. Well, we've got 1987, 2000, 2007, 2008, maybe one coming up. Um, what 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 does that do to people when they're you know, with their finances? I think it creates a lot of stress because a couple of things that probably the three biggest worries for most retirees, things that are out of their control and they may lose sleep on uh, is inflation, market volatility, and their health. And right now we've got two of the three that are storming, which is we've got very high inflation and we've got markets that are are starting to, to rumble. Well, they certainly are. I, I notice it because I watch the, the, you know, the ticker tape first thing in the morning, and I can listen to the commentators and go, "Oh my! All right, we we're looking at something coming up here potentially." Is that why you called your book "The Coming Retirement Storm"? Uh, no, that was one element. Uh, I think that's what sort of triggered in my mind that uh, I, I thought I could be of help to people if I can give them a construct and a framework for dealing with their retirement. So part of it was seeing all the, the various market crashes that seem to be happening at least once every decade. Um, then what also from experience and research, I realized that uh, very few companies, if any, are providing re uh, retirement benefits anymore. You're not going to get your pension from General Electric for 5000 a month. All that has shifted to the individual and investment risk as companies no longer provide it. A lot of uh, people, if you work for municipal government and state governments, 
and then if you even have uh, a pension plan, most of them are woefully underfunded, and they're probably going to end up uh, uh, running into serious problems within the next five to ten years. So if you're a retiree, you got markets going crazy, you've got uh, your retirement plans, if you have one, uh, having a lot of risk, uh, massive amount of debt in the U.S. We're now over $30 trillion. Uh, the majority of cities in the country are probably technically bankrupt if they really uh, put on the books all their liabilities. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be leading to massive tax increases. Again, if you're a retiree, you're sitting back here having to deal with it all. And then now what takes a retirement storm and pushes it to the perfect storm is uh, is inflation. Uh, so it's going to be hard out there for an individual to, to how do you deal with all this? And I and I think one of the points we discussed when we first talked is that this is not just for retirees. This is for anybody who's coming into the work environment from their twenties, you know, through their nineties, uh, because it's it, it changes but it affects absolutely everyone. Uh, it does. And I think what also what the, the book tries to do is show that a little bit along a life cycle. So even if you're in your 20s and 30s, you might have a 401k or an IRA. So that means you've already given a little bit of thought to retirement. But it would be beneficial to you today to understand what are the critical variables and elements of retirement. So you can start doing the little things today that compound and become very big, good things in the future. And you'll be much better prepared for retirement than a lot of people uh, that are just winging it today. And that's what your book is about, a five-step process for success in volatile times. So what are the key areas you talk about? Well, one of the things is that I also realize is that our, you know, by you know, the obvious sometimes is missed. And, and the obvious is that uh, we don't teach personal financial management. We don't teach investments. We don't teach any kind of money management in any of our school levels, not through K through 12, not in college. You might be able to take a specialized course here and there. So most people aren't even grounded in the basic fundamentals of, of money and, and finance. Uh, so what I'm trying to do in the book is to give you this structure of which you can go and get information and make sense out of. And the five steps, I created an acronym called POISE, P-O-I-S-E, uh, to help you remember the structure. And that's uh, P is for personal, that's your life. O is for others, other people in your life. Uh, you create a lifestyle. There's an income required for it, so you got to determine what income you need. The income is going to determine how much savings you need, and what's most critical is that you have some process for evaluating whether or not uh, you're getting ahead or falling behind, because you may be in retirement for 30 years. So uh, retirement isn't a destination that once you get there, everything is fine and you can relax and do nothing. Instead, you have to view it as a lifestyle change, and it's an ongoing process through the 20 or 30 years that you're in retirement. How did you come up with this five-step approach? Uh, I, uh, I ended up working somewhat backward. Almost everything you see in the press is geared towards investing and saving. And so people tell you, do you have a magic number to save or how many dollars do I need to save? And as I listened to all of this and read it, it, it just didn't make sense to me. 
uh, because you could re you could have retired in 2008 and a million dollars was going to be great for your retirement. But at the end of 2008, 2009, your portfolio just dropped 40%. And so your million became 600,000. You're not ready for retirement. You can't go in with that, that attitude that I, I, I reached some number and therefore uh, I can relax and not do anything. And so then I thought what makes sense is you need to flip it around that what drives how much money you need is how much you need to spend. So the focus then is on uh, how much money you need to spend, which is then driven by your own, your personal life, your goals, your objectives, your lifestyle, how you deal with others, and then that determines how much income you need in retirement. Once you can figure that out, then you can figure out um, how much uh, you need to save. Well, that sounds simple. Why is it so hard? <laughs> so can you again, can I you give us can you give us a few examples? Okay. You know. Sure. Again, I was going to say I think that it sounds um, hard only because we don't have the the intellectual structure for being able to deal with all this. So one of the things that uh, you know, if you're you're getting ready to retire and you want to know what are you going to do because you're replacing work, uh, think of it back. Of, of when you were a kid and somebody asked you what you want to be when you grew up. Well, you go to your imagination. You start to picture and visualize various things you want to do. And so if you're going to go into retirement, that would be one way to start to get uh, a framework of what that lifestyle's uh, going to be. One of the things that as you start doing that, you'll start to realize, okay, I'm going into retirement. This is what I want. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, wait a minute, I'm married. I've got to consider my spouse. Uh, and so one of the things, one of the anecdotes I put in there is a sort of a bit of a humorous thing that happened in Japan maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, in Japan, it's still a very male-dominated uh, culture. Uh, the majority of men worked all the time. The majority of women stayed home. But also with the men, they became company men, which meant their whole life had to be dedicated to their company. So they wouldn't only work 10, 12 hours a day. At the end of each day, they'd get together with their work buddies and they'd go out for dinner and drink, and they wouldn't come home until 10 or 11 at night. So you do that for 20 or 30 years, and it's a different kind of relationship between husband and wife. And so all of a sudden, the husband retires and he sits home. He's got nothing to do. He's got no friends outside of work. They don't want to deal with them anymore because he's not at work. He can't help their careers. In the meantime, the wife over all these years developed her routines, going to lunch, doing all these other things. And now she's seeing this demanding guy just sitting here ordering her around. So this started, uh, what they noticed is that some of the women started having all these physical ailments, uh, hives, uh, ulcers, all this other nervous syndrome. And some psychiatrists kind of put this together and created something he called the retirement husband syndrome, uh, <laughs> which was a way to identify what the wives are going through. Uh, and so it had a happy ending. Eventually what happened was that these couples got into sort of, sort of like a couple's therapy, but just on retirement. Uh, and he had to re-educate the guy. He had to reintroduce him into this, this other lifestyle, and the wife kind of had to hold her position because, uh, you know, this was her life too. And, and so it's very important you kind of think through how you're going to impact others uh, in your retirement. That's a phenomenal story. And, I, you know, it's also very interesting. It ties into something totally unrelated necessarily to finance, but DARPA. 
um, it, when they were doing, and that's the defense research program. They had um, they did a lot of research and and realized that Japan was going to face serious problems as people aged because they didn't have enough health workers to help them. And they created this gadget called an exoskeleton, which enabled health workers to lift and help you know, mobilize people who had lost those functions. Um, and so they've been doing a lot of good research. I don't think we've done as much here in the United States. No, but uh, you also raise a, a, an interesting point, which is also something that um, is part of the storm process, and that is the changing demographics. Uh, the baby boomers were the biggest generation in the U.S. history. Uh, their kids sort of equal that amount, but what we're getting to the point is that when, when Social Security came into place, there was one retired worker for, I mean, there was for each retiree, there was about 12 workers. Right now we're down to one retiree, there's maybe two and a half workers. So now mm. you got to wonder, how are we going to be able to keep paying for all these retirees? And then you've got the second aspect that the Japanese are now dealing with. If we don't have all these people to do our work and do our service, you know, how are we going to get through our old age? Exactly. It's a, it's a, that's where, of course, having a good financial plan probably helps. Um, if you can find someone you can hire to help you. Uh, what about, what about when you get sick? Uh, what is the what what are the financial things we should be looking at uh, about health care for ourselves as we get into older age? I think a couple of things that uh, again the media tends to kind of work on scare tactics, so they try to tell retirees to be a scare you know be afraid about health care costs. But for most retirees, your health care costs actually go down. If, uh, if if you were paying your own insurance premiums, you'll see a big drop in that premium when you go on Medicare. Um, I mean, mine dropped from over 2000 a month to $145 a month. So oh, on that mm-hmm. aspect, uh, and then you buy supplemental stuff, and now maybe I'm paying $400 a month. So on that monthly cash flow basis, I'm actually in a better position. The issue that comes up that people need to think about and plan about are those things that are not covered. Uh, by the health insurance, and that's going to be nursing home coverage, long-term health care, and then the the thing that's which are probably lower probability events. The higher probability is going to be some kind of chronic illness that requires constant care. Uh, there's a, dep- uh, a diabetes epidemic in the country, so if you get to the point that you can't walk or you get amputated or you get all this other stuff, that's where a lot of health bills can come in. And they're not covered by Medicare? Uh, some of them are, some aren't. Uh, you, there'll be a limit to the home health care that can happen. If you need people come into your house, they'll pay for some of that. Uh, but those are the things that you would look into is, is whether or not there's additional insurance uh, if you feel you want to protect that risk or get an idea of what it costs and, and build that into your financial plan. That You can say, okay, even if I have to go in a nursing home, the average stay in the nursing home is three years, it's 100000 a year, so that means 300000 Maybe I have enough money that I take my chances and I'll just take the 300000 a year out of my savings. I mean, that's a legitimate way to deal with it. Um, or you could, if you want, buy insurance or you, uh, uh, you just accept the risk. Now, now, this is, you know, you get a, these are all private insurance companies, correct? If you, if you are um, 
so you're taking, you know, you're paying into this insurance premium, and then you realize it's not really going to be what you need. Um, can you get out of them? Can you move to a different program? Uh, it depends. Uh, if you're dealing with long-term care insurance, uh, the the traffic that you can fall into is that at age 80, companies won't take you anymore. So if you're with an existing company and you've been paying 10 years in from age 70 and now you're 80 or 81 and you don't like it because they jacked up the rates, you really can't go anywhere else. Nobody else will take you. Uh, you can cancel the insurance, but a lot of times you may lose the premiums you paid in. So the insurance companies have come up with other techniques that try to create something like a cash value in these accounts. So if you want to cash out or if you just even die before you hit age 80, you don't want all those premiums to disappear. So if you're going to look into it, you might look into something that retains some kind of value if you, if you do cancel. You use the word cash, and that's probably a, an important thing. Cash flow is important here. How do we preserve a good cash flow availability? Uh, you know, we've made a plan. We're, we know what our income is, unless we have our own business. We know what our, our cash flow is going to be coming in. What can we do to, you know, maintain that a certain level of cash flow available to us through savings and investments? That'd be a couple of things. One is uh, part of the five-step process. The last one is evaluation. Uh, even if you don't like math, you've got to do some basic numbers because you can start the year and say uh, your income coming in is going to uh, cover all your expenses. But what do you do now when all of a sudden – you fill up your gas tank and it's $100 instead of uh, $60. Uh, so that's $40 a week. And if you fill up your tank four times uh, a month, that's 160 bucks a month. Where's that money going to come from? Uh, and if you annualize it, that's 2000 bucks a year. And that's only for one item. So if you don't know what your budget is and if you aren't really measuring what kind of return you're getting on your investments, you don't really know if you're uh, – falling behind or staying ahead. And so this is why it's important that you have uh, a budget, but the budget doesn't have, don't view a budget as a punitive thing. View it as a tool just where, so you know what you're spending and where it goes. So if you have your budget, I have something in there I call CPR to your budget, which is uh, C for choices, P for priorities, R for ranges. Now if you get this big shock to your cash flow, you can sit back and say, well, I can make a choice not to do a vacation, or I can make a choice to, to not buy a, a car this year. Uh, or I can look at my priorities and say my lower priority spending are all these things I do on uh, uh, around the house or in the yard and all that. I can cut those expenses because I'm spending more money on gas. Or we're probably you're probably all doing it now intuitively, which is the ranges, in each price, if you look at food, you go in and say, gee, I was buying steak, but at $30 a pound, I'm going to move my protein choice maybe down a little bit more often to chicken or something. So these are ways you can control your expenses and manage your cash flow. One thing I'd recommend now, if you're getting near retirement or you should create in retirement uh, to deal with uh, uh, the volatility in the market is to have one the three years of the spending you need to do kept in a principal protected short-term account. 
So if I'm starting January 22 and I know I need 40000 out of my portfolio, I don't want to just take it out necessarily through the year because if the market declines, I may have to sell losses. Or market goes up, I have to take capital gains and pay taxes. Uh, instead, I take my 40000 out. I can do all my planning around it. It's in a safe account. Markets can bounce all around. I know I've got that year covered. If you do two or three years, that'll give you plenty of time to get through a market cycle. And you've got the assurance that you're going to have the cash uh, to meet your living needs. And this takes a lot of stress off people. Instead of looking at your portfolio for, you know, the January one's probably going to be a surprise for people. And you go, oh, everything went down 5%. And you're going to feel you can't spend. And all of a sudden you've got all this tension in your life. But then you say, wait a minute, I've got my money set aside. I can let the market be the market, and you can get back into your life. So what I try to do in the book is to create the things that people can do to just set worries aside so they can say, okay, I'm covered. I know what's going on. Uh, let's just get into life. Now, when you say a short-term account, um, is, is that the equivalent of having a, a checking account that pays interest, or where where do they keep their liquidity uh, to you know, that it makes them feel like they're actually getting something. I mean, half a percent interest doesn't go very far. Uh, yeah, and that's unfortunate, which is another thing that uh, uh, you know the people that are retired now remember the uh, inflation in the '70s. But when inflation was seven or eight percent, you're still getting four or five percent on passbook accounts. Here we have mm-hmm. seven and eight percent. You're only earning one. So. Right. Uh, you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna get the interest at least now. Interest rates will probably be rising over the next year or two, but it's that lower interest really is the cost of principal protection of protecting you against a bigger potential loss, which is from your your finances. So, I would look at uh, government uh, money market funds that invest in government securities. Uh, there are things called floating bond funds, which are very short-term money, but uh, the interest rates change with uh, uh, market interest rates. If you're going to do the two- to three-year thing, then I'd look at a, a, a treasury note or a treasury bond that will mature within two, you know, two years now, three years now that you know the principal is guaranteed. And then you recycle it. After you go through that year, you've, the markets are good. You fund more into your uh, spending account. And what about diversification? Does that work in terms of finding, you know, we put so much money into cash and so much money into stocks and bonds and so much into real estate. How how does that work for for people who are trying to manage cash flow? Um, Well, diversification is important as as a risk management tool. Generally, what you do is you give up the, the years of high returns to avoid the years of low returns, where people sometimes get a false sense of security, they think they're diversified and they're not going to lose money. But if you looked at your portfolio uh, during the COVID crash in that March and April, you could have been diversified. It doesn't matter because every single asset class got crushed. So that still is a possibility. Uh, The only thing that protects you in that sense is having money in cash. Uh, uh, And then the second aspect is there's risk to the financial system itself. Diversification doesn't cover that. So in the financial crash of 2008, 2009, you could have been diversified, but if all the banks are going belly up, the financial system's going belly up, all your assets get crushed. Uh, but uh, it still provides more safety than putting it all in one place. 
If you want to beat inflation, stocks usually are it in real estate. Um, if we're down to a more normalized thing, then you would. You'd want some income bonds. You'd want some stock. But there's periods when diversification doesn't work. Most of the time it works, but sometimes it doesn't. I think that's a, a valid point. You know, we we tend to rely on the past, and and what is it? Performance is past performance is not a guarantee of the future. Yeah, that's what you yeah. see in the ads. <laughs> that's um, what you see. Which again, which again is why I'm suggesting that if if you are retired, and even or even if you're worried about the markets, that you have uh, you know a couple of years of cash and short-term principal protected investments because that'll help you ride out the storm of the markets. Uh, usually over a three-year period, most rolling three-year periods, you make money in the market. Uh, what you don't want to have to do uh, is have to, back to my example, when the people uh, retired in 2008 and sort of their portfolios dropped 40%, if you're taking 4 or 5% out of that portfolio every year, these people still haven't recovered. You know, we're 15 years later. It's going to be a long retirement. So you need to kind of protect the upfront and the other thing that's important, when you look at average returns, those are very misleading. Uh, it's the sequence of returns. How do the returns work year after year after year? If your retirement starts with three bad years, you've dug a big hole. Even though you might average 7% over 10 years, the first three might kill you. So you need to have another kind of risk management involved, and, and that's why I recommend having a, a bigger short-term uh, cash or bond position to help you mitigate that risk. I know we've been really chasing growth for the last two years. It's been, you know, a phenomenal ride on the stock market. Um, but now, as as we look at inflation and the possibility that growth will slow, how do you feel about value and dividend paying stocks? Well, first, I guess the reason why everybody is chasing growth is because the Federal Reserve artificially lowered interest rates. And when interest rates are artificially low, that becomes the critical number for valuing a lot of securities. So now what happened is the market couldn't really value risk because uh, interest rates and treasury bills were zero. So that says, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no cost to risk. Uh, and then by keeping interest rates low, people left their savings and checking accounts and everybody started taking on risk. And you might perceive it as chasing growth, but, the, but basically people were forced to take more risk than they're comfortable with. The point I think you're getting to make sense, I think, where we're at in the market today is that if interest rates will be rising, you need to have something that transitions you from growth to a more normal market, uh, which might need a couple of years before you go back into bonds. And then having something like a dividend-paying fund will at least provide new cash into your, your savings each year, and that's important. So we also, a lot of, one of the things we hear a lot about is scammers, that seniors need to protect their financial, you know, situation from people who are uh, tricking them or selling them a bill of goods in some way. Uh, how worried do we have to be about that, and how do we protect ourselves? Um, well, you need to be very aware of it because it's constantly going on. The one thing that uh, I think everybody should have in their mind, and you should put this in your mind whenever you're logging on, is that as soon as somebody asks for money, say no, go somewhere else. 
because at some point there's going to be an ass. <laughs> Uh, and what mm -hmm. happens is they condition you for the ass. So they'd be real nice to you, and then they call all of a sudden, oh, can you help me pay my roof? As soon as they start talking about that money, boom, everything just, just shut down. You should say, no, I'm out of here. Be rude. It's okay to be rude in those circumstances. I give you permission. <laughs> and uh, what about people who have their own business? And, they're, you know, they're, here they are approaching retirement, and they They've built their life around their business. They may not have put a lot aside outside of it. They, they literally have their financial assets in their business. What, what do they do at the point where they need to start to take something out so that they can you know, live without having to work? Um, it's, it's a tough problem. It's sort of referred to in some ways as riding the tiger. You've been doing that for 20 or 30 years. The question is, how do I get off uh, without getting eaten? Uh, and a lot depends on, on, the, on the nature of your business. You need to sit down and think, what is, what is it that really creates value in my business? Uh, is it a product you developed? Is it a service that you, you provide? Is there a, a system you can sell? So you have to look at it from the outsider coming in. What would they be willing to buy? Uh, you've got to be able to leave your keys on the table and walk out the door, and the person taking it over should be able to get up and running. And that's where you need to get your business if you're going to want to sell it. And this probably requires you to start giving serious thought to that maybe five years before you're, you're planning to sell. Maybe you need to groom a key employee. Maybe you need to come up with a way of, of building a consulting contract that – goes with the people that are going to buy it. So you're going to hold their hands through the first couple of years and make sure they get the value they paid for. Uh, so it's really business specific of, of, of uh, how to sell it. But you as a business owner know there's value there. You need to really be able to define what that is and to be able to isolate it because that's what you're, what you're ultimately selling. They, planning five years ahead is, is an excellent you know, suggestion because it takes time to think all that through, where, the, where your pluses are and your minuses, what you need to fix up in order to make it look good and, and yeah. of interest to other people. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me, have you, you followed? <laughs> yeah, it will help you clean up. I think you're right. Yeah. Have you followed your own advice? No, I'm sort of on a different side of things. And uh, I guess uh, since I own my own business and it's a service and it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have a boss I need to get under. I don't really have a lot of stress. Uh, and since mostly it's uh, keeping me intellectually engaged, uh, you know, I'll probably just keep at some version of it. Realistically, as far as taking my own advice, I probably will be looking at selling the trust administration company in the next couple of years. But the ongoing financial advisory stuff, I figure I'll be managing my own money. I've got some clients I've known for 30 years. Um, I sort of feel a moral obligation to continue and help them. Um, and then the other thing I push in my book, which I do practice, is you have to stay intellectually engaged. Uh, if you're doing – I've met uh, – uh, what were very smart people, doctors, corporate executives, five, six years in retirement, 
They're not using their brains. You have conversations with them, and you go, gee, what happened to this person? He used to be so smart. <laughs> uh, and if you want to ward off dementia, keep your mind working, learn new things, learn a language, learn a new skill, learn something, but, but stay intellectually involved. And it's also vitally important to stay socially involved is, is loneliness is another fear of a lot of retirees. If you're going to outlive your spouse, uh, make sure you have a support network on because the, the loneliness has been shown to shorten life expectancy. Yes. Well, I've seen that people we know over the years. It's, uh, it's um, staggering to see how much they change when they retire. Yeah, so what happens you- is that a lot of them give up because they, they don't think they have personal value after a while because there's mm-hmm. not other people with them. You know, but if your grandmother and your grandkids are constantly telling you how much they love you and want to be with you, that gives you joy. It makes you want to live a little longer. But if nobody's even coming to visit you and you're isolated by yourself, people start to give up. And so mm-hmm. that's something that could happen. But as you think about it today, do things today to make sure that it doesn't happen. It's within right. your control to avoid that. And again, it's something that does take a little time to to uh, cultivate new relationships where people, you know, get to like each other and and enjoy doing things together. Uh, that takes a little while till you find out what that is. Yeah, um, Robert, when did your book come out? Well, I initially wrote the first version of it in in 2011 after the last crash, and then seeing all these people being forced into retirement from COVID. Uh, I updated it and, and redid it and then uh, put it out uh, uh, the beginning of this year. So it's a, the new fresh version. 2021, yeah. Right, okay. And and what's been the reaction to your book so far? Well, at least the feedback I get, are people are very thankful about it. I've had some people tell me they started book clubs around it. Uh, I had somebody else kind of tell me that, uh, gee, you've really given us some stuff to think about. Thanks a lot. It's not just about investing. There's a lot more to retirement than that. Um, and then most of the, the reviews I had generally are in the four and five star range that people find it's helpful. I think the one thing that when people look at a book like this, they go, oh, it's going to take effort on my part. So you keep pushing it off. So I challenge you, it's January, it's a new year, make a resolution, you're going to take control over this part of your life. Yes, it takes effort, but that effort will create intellectual activity, which will ward off dementia. So start. (laughs) (laughs) And how do people learn about about where to get it and how to find it? Well, mostly it's it's on, uh, mostly online, it's Amazon. Amazon has it, Barnes & Noble, all of them. You can go to my website which is my name, robertmargeticbooks.com, and that gives you a link to it. Uh, And it's in selective bookstores. I don't know which specific ones offhand. And do you do any promotion? Yeah, we're doing a lot of promotion. I've got a social media program that's been going on for two months. Uh, I've got a Pinterest account. I've got uh, an Instagram account, a Twitter account, Facebook. So we're doing all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, and then I'm also uh, doing this interview with you. I've done a couple other interviews out there. Uh, we've got a big pro- program going through Goodreads. You might go to goodreads.com. There may be a way for you to pick up a free book if you uh, promise to do a review for it. Uh, so it's out there. It's It's getting pushed in a lot of ways. 
That's wonderful because it's it's valuable information. It's well rounded, and I think people could really benefit from looking at their life that way. Um, what format is the book available in? Uh, it's uh, hardback, paperback, and ebook. So you can get the ebook. I think the ebooks are about three bucks um, on Amazon. I think the paperback's about six or seven dollars. Um, so it should be affordable. It's a small amount of money to pay to take control over one part of your life. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for visiting with us today, Robert. And, and I want to thank our listeners as well. Let's remind them we've been talking with Robert Margetic about his book, How to Survive the Coming Retirement Storm, a five-step process for success in volatile times. So no matter your age, there are valuable lessons to apply to your financial planning so that you can enjoy the end of your life as much as the beginning. So thank you again, Robert. We appreciate your taking the time to be with us. <laughs> That's a wrap for today, everyone. Bye for now, and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.